0: And we are back with another episode of the Play On Podcast This is episode 50 uh, with your co-host Cal Sirius Um, Today I am also with one of my co-hosts Ash How you doing today sir? Yeah I'm good man, how are you? Very good. Feeling in good spirits. We've got this festival of football on, the European Championships, also the Copa America down on the other side of the world. So for us football fans, it's a time for us to just go football crazy.
1: Um, I'm sure we're all pretty excited and in a good mood right now. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, it's Father's Day as well. So happy Father's Day to everyone listening in. Um, just want to give a shout out to my dad. Shout out to all the dads. Shout out to Ben as well. His first Father's Day. Um We've got another father on with us uh, as well. But, yeah, just a big shout-out to everyone who's a father, everyone who plays a father role. Um, yeah, we appreciate you.
0: Most definitely. Shout-out to Ben. He's uh, obviously, as uh, Ash just mentioned, he's celebrating his first Father's Day. Um, so uh, he won't be with us today. But somebody who will be with us is someone that Ash knows very well.
1: Indeed. Um, he is the manager of Atlético Trotters. He is my gaffer as well. Um, He's an England and a Liverpool fan Um, Welcome, Wes Do you want your full name or do you just want your first name? Wes is fine (laughs) (laughs) Big shout out to to, to Big Wes in the building Thanks,
0: guys Welcome, welcome Wes, I'm quite excited to have you on the pod because (laughs) <laughs> uh, I fancy myself as a bit of a football manager when I play video games, but you're an actual football manager. So this is the first time we're going to have a football manager coming onto our podcast, and uh, it is a really exciting moment for us here. Uh, welcome aboard! Thanks for coming.
2: Uh, like I said, thanks for having us, keen uh, listener. Since since Ash introduced us, um, a few, well, probably about a year ago
1: now. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little while. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Trotters? Because I know that you guys are expanding this year, aren't you? Yeah, so
2: um, the club was formed in 2009, um, really came off the back of a -a five-a-side team um, where we were very successful, but just ended up getting lumps kicked out of us week in, week week out. So um, the guys decided it would be best to move to full men's Eleven aside football. Um, so since 2009, it literally has been just the men's team going from the, you know, starting off in the bottom of the Brentwood Sunday League, um, and then over time we've we've moved all the way up and we're in the senior division now. Um, which as you've been to see a couple of games. It's it's quite a high quality, really. It's probably the best quality I've seen of a, of a Sunday football league. To be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, really, a lot of us have had kids, um, are getting older. Um, so it's always been my ambition to, to really have a vets team or a vets set up so that we keep, keep the guys within the club, um, but also to have a youth set up both to keep the parents within the club but then also to to you know make make the club more of a brand in the area, um, and also have these players constantly coming through in, in the future. So we're we're not searching for external new players you know every, every summer like like we do at the moment. Um, so yeah, from well from now really, I've I've been working quite hard with the guys that are running the vets teams. So we've got two two men's. Vets teams coming on board. Um, They're they're very successful in their own right from where where they're coming from. So they're moving over from Fremford Vets. Um, There's actually a couple of ex-Premier League players in in the squad there. Um, And then also we're going to have two under-10s teams coming across. So an an ex-Trotter who went off to coach for Chelsea has come back and um, he's going to be heading up the youth side of the club. Um, so yeah, it's all it's all going. It's it's a really busy time for the club, and um, hopefully, we just continue to grow and we keep these people within the club for many years to come.
1: Yeah, that's that, that's dope. And just a big thank you to you, Wes. Um, obviously I came over through a recommendation from a, a mutual friend, and you've always been like really open and welcoming to me. So of the guys as well, that like, top quality players, but also top quality people as well. So it's a great club to be to be a part of.
2: Oh, you're welcome, Ash. And you know, you know, without me saying it on on here, but the the lads love having you around and uh, love a bit of the banter. We maybe maybe we can go into a bit more detail.
1: Probably... <laughs> maybe. I have one question for you, Wes. Um, obviously, Tottenham have asked every single person in the world to be their manager and they've said no. <laughs> I just wanted to know, um, have they approached you and what's your answer?
0: Oh, I can't,
2: I can't disclose whether they've approached me. Um, you know, these things are private, but um, it would be very difficult for me being brought brought up around the, uh, the Upton Park area to, to move over to the dark side. Um, even though I'm a Liverpool fan, you know, close links with West Ham, so it would be a very hard decision for me.
1: Is that another no for Tottenham?
0: <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. Well, uh, one question I'd love to know the answer to you. Is Ash the worst striker on your team? <laughs> How did we get here?
2: Uh, <laughs> no, do you know what? We, we actually, we don't have a huge amount of strikers within the team and I've, I've tried to crack up Ash to get his backside over on a Sunday many a time um, but obviously he's got the commitments to the pod um, and on top of that having a, a young child I know it's hard for, for, for guys like him to to get over but I, I've got to be honest and the difference between when Ash first joined us and um, like he said he was recommended by an at Recommended to us by an ex-trotter that we're mutual friends of. Um, he's 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 definitely improved in that time. I think it's mainly the fitness, but um, I think the last couple of training sessions, Ash, you were you blasted in some absolute worldies, didn't you? Yeah,
1: keep 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 it coming, Wes. Keep it coming.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I mean, there's, there's the worldies, but then there's
2: there's obviously also the um, the, the comedy fall.
1: Yeah, I've done a few of those ones. Yeah. Um, there was that one. Do you remember? There was a training session. Where I think I got the ball kicked in my face. Oh. Do you remember that one? And <laughs> all of a sudden, I turned I turned into like Messi for ten minutes with, <laughs> with, with
2: a Y. I <laughs> uh, I remember you getting kicked. The ball kicked in your face. I also remember you camping out and refusing to continue playing head tennis because of a bad call. Um, so you can be a bit of a. You can be a bit of a sore loser.
1: I'm I'm hard to manage.
2: Yeah, you're definitely a prima donna.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but he delivers. <laughs> Enough about me. Listen, there's some there's some quality football taking place on our TV screens and I'll hand over to Kyle to take us through the Euros.
0: Yes. Uh so as I'm sure you listeners have been uh, well aware of, the Euros has actually had some absolutely fantastic games so far. Um we, ha- I don't think we have covered the first round of games. That would have been uh, in the week when we weren't broadcasting. Um, but uh, game week two has just about finished, and game week three is about to be underway. And um, there's this. It's been it's been a mixed bag. There's been some. Absolutely fantastic results where maybe you could have predicted it. I'm sure a lot of people would have uh, done OK with their accas and their patents and, you know, uh, and a little bets down the bookies. But then there's also been some shocking results. Um, you know, uh, looking at Finland versus Russia, uh, I'm not sure if any of you guys managed to catch that game. But um that was one of those kind of games where me personally... It's not something that I find super exciting uh, because obviously you want to watch the biggest teams play in the tournament, don't you? Um, but um, I actually thought, you know, just sort of looking at the highlights, I actually thought there were a few chances in the game and there was some good football being played. Um,
1: did you get a chance to see some of that one, Ash? Um, no, I saw, I saw the goal, which was good. Um, I think it was a decent game. And I think what's really cool about the Euros is some of the games are on at like two o'clock. So I'll be at work document in one half of the screen matching the other half of the screen it's just really nice to be working and have the live football on, so I, I watched elements of it but I was currently at work so I didn't really get invested in the game too much
0: um, For me in that game it's just, it's, it's one player that, that I liked, uh, a guy called Golovin playing in France um, he, he seems like he's got a little bit of skill about him, you know, like a centre mid or like number eight, number 10 kind of player can get forward and, and create. Um, but, um, yeah, if um, if anyone's interested in watching more Russia games, he's probably, I think, the, the player to look out for. Um, another fixture is Turkey versus Wales. Now, uh, us Brits, we obviously would have been a bit more invested in that game. Um, there's quite a huge Turkish population In the UK as well So I'm sure there would have been a lot of banter Between uh, Turkish people over here People of Turkish descent And and, and the Brits uh, There obviously will be a, quite a few Welsh people over here as well um, For us We would be looking out for People like Gareth Bell, People like Aaron Ramsey um, You know Wales played really well um, It was 2-0 And uh your thoughts on that one, Ashton, Do you think that Wales actually delivered? Do you think the big players, the Aaron Ramsey, the uh, the Gareth Bale, do you think they
1: delivered for Wales? Um, yeah, I mean, they needed to win. Like, Turkey's defence is not great. Like, it's really, really not great. Um, Wales should have probably won a bit more comfortably. Um, they had some good chances in the first half, winning one, 1-0. Obviously, Gareth Bale missed the penalty. He got two assists and played pretty well. But yeah, I think Wales should be happy with what they've done so far um they got a big game today but yeah no I think 2-0 I mean any game any win in a tournament is a big win so like congratulations to Wales for doing that and that should be enough to kind of see them through I
0: I think Wales could go through it's possible um and definitely with the likes of Bale and Ramsey in the team they can always create um did you get a chance to see some of that game was yeah I did actually
2: um it's really difficult being an Englishman um supporting the Welsh and the, and the Scottish national teams because you know that they absolutely hate us and they want us to lose every single game. So I don't know why, but I, I actually want them to do well, but I know that they don't want us to do well, so it's a bit of a frustrating conundrum. But, yeah, I, I did watch it, and I think um, they they well deserved it. Like Ash said, it could have been more... It probably should have been more. Bale obviously missed the penalty. Um, I think... That, Ramsey missed a couple of really good chances in the first half Um, so yeah it could have been three four maybe even more if they put their chances away Um, but I think they're through I mean if you look at the way the, the rules are in this tournament the best placed third place teams go through as well don't they so I think Wales are probably comfortably through.
0: Yeah, it sounded that way. Uh, did you have your eye on maybe one or two Welsh players, thinking you might be able to sign them for the Trotters? There was.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure about that. You know, maybe they're a little bit above our stations, but you know, you never know. Maybe the Vets team. You know, maybe Bell when he give, when he throws the towel in on a on professional football, he might he might fancy playing for the
0: Vets. <laughs> Looking good for Wales, though. Two games played, four points secured. So you know uh, they haven't lost yet. You know, uh, and they're looking good. They're creating chances. And uh, and as I say, with the likes of, you know, the, the ex-Arsenal, world-class Aaron Ramsey, learned his trade at Arsenal, learned everything there is to know about football at Arsenal. We made him who he is. Uh, you know, <laughs> and when he's in the team, anything can happen, right? Um, but moving on, Um, we've got Italy versus Switzerland. So sticking with... Uh, That group that Wales are in there Italy versus Switzerland Now uh, I was saying With Ben on the last time we recorded That Italy are looking Really exciting, they've got this record of Not having lost a game since 2018 They've got Roberto Mancini at the helm Excellent football manager And they've got this kind of new generation Of young players Um, You know uh, They've got quality from the goalkeeper to the striker they could be in with a shout of doing very well in this tournament they've, they've won their first two games um, Ash, did you get a chance to see Italy in action and did you watch them against Switzerland
1: yeah so I think <clears throat> if you're talking about the best performing team in the first two games I think you'd have to say it's been Italy um, I think they look solidly defense- they look solid defensively um, the midfield has like it's got goals and it's got, like, creativity and control. So, Jorginho has been great. Um, oh, the, guy, the guy's name eludes me who scored the two goals the other day, actually. L- um he's really, really good. Like, their wide players are doing well. And Mobley's got a goal as well. So, they're looking really, really balanced. But they haven't really played anyone. The Swiss weren't good. And, obviously, I've spoken quite negatively about Turkey already. I think them against Wales would be a good a good barometer of where, of where they're at. And then once they go into the round of sixteen and the, the teams get a bit harder, it'll be good to see what they're saying. But no, they look really, really good. Um, and the thing that I like is that they've got goals across the pitch. Like everyone looks like they could score. Everyone's getting involved. And what I love about the Italians is just how they celebrate a goal. Like, <laughs> like lots of teams kind of come together. It's it looks like it's quite united. But when Italy score a goal, it's 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 a it's another level. So yeah, I've I've been really looking forward. To, 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 to their game today with Worlds, but also what they do in the last 16.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I had a cheeky little bet on them before the tournament started because I think you know, no one was really talking about them. Um, the other thing I really like is how they sing their national anthem. They really go for it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. I saw. I saw. Um, I saw them singing the anthem, and uh, I've got. I've got to say, out of all of the nations that I've seen singing the anthem, Italy looked really like, pumped. wow, mate, psyched, pumped. They were throwing themselves into it. It kind of looked like this was a life or death situation. Like after they finish singing the anthem, they're gonna roll out and, you know, yeah, whereas, march. <laughs> whereas, whereas for the England national anthem, we had Tyrone Ming chewing gum and looking the other way <laughs> just
2: goes to show that led, that led into the sort of performance that we had
0: Oh, um, maybe a bit of a link between uh, the amount of passion you put into singing the anthem and the performance that you put in on the pitch possibly, possibly a correlation there, maybe not but um, with the Italians um, it sounds like your bit is that they're going to do really well? Are you sort of betting for them to win the tournament or have you got yeah, I actually. I, I
2: put a, an each way bet on. Um, but yeah, I think they'll go. I, I think they'll certainly be in the semis. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the final.
0: Cheeky little each way bet. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe. Um... Some of their attackers to be within the, uh, the top scorers. That's a bit that I actually regret not making. I used to like making a place-only or an each-way top-scorer bet on these tournaments. Mm. And uh, someone like Immobile, Asenia, uh, would probably have decent odds, I reckon. Um, but yeah, Italy definitely looking good. Although Turkey do have um, Soyuncu... From the Premier League In their defence He looks a really strong Solid defender As Ash kind of Said earlier Their defence As a whole Isn't looking so great And they've got work to do If uh, If they're going to do anything um, In this tournament uh, So moving on We've got Ukraine Versus North Macedonia I'm just going to outright say As soon as I saw that fixed well I'm not watching this <laughs> <laughs> Me too um, it just it just didn't look exciting to be honest. I don't know any of the players
1: playing in that fixture. It was it was a good game. It was a really good game. <laughs> like yeah, um, Yarmolenko and their striker um, link up really well. So they were part of the first two goals. North Macedonia got one back and were really pushing. And I think they've done well considering they're the lowest ranked team in the tournament and had no real hope of getting through. They've scored a couple of goals. They've like, created some excitement. They've been decent actually. Like it's not been as bad as I thought as 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 bad as they as I thought they were going to be. So, yeah. Uh, they've got Alioski as well, haven't they? Yeah, he missed a pen. So he missed his pen and then and then got the rebound. Um, and he's done decent for Leeds this season as well. And they got um Goran Pandev, yeah, who's who in his day in his day was quality. So yeah, I think it's nice that someone like him can almost end his international career at a tournament like Euro twenty twenty.
0: Mm, and um, Ukraine I've got a couple of big players there as well I think it was Yarmolenko that scored a lovely curling finish Great um, cutting in on his left foot and just bending it around so yeah it, it's uh, I think they don't have the big name players but they've definitely got some ballers in both teams there are some people that can play and um, like you said it was actually a pretty good game um, so 2-1 that game ended and then we had Denmark versus Belgium so for me, this was uh, one of the one of the bigger ones in the round. Um, Belgium for me are you know got to be one of the favourites to win the actual tournament. Um, where's were your thoughts on that match? Did you get a chance to see?
2: Uh, I, saw, I saw bits of it. It's actually
0: um, slap
2: bang in the middle of me travelling home from work, so I, I only saw bits and bobs. But um, yeah, I think Belgium they're they're, they're very much hyped, but I mean, it still feels like something's missing, and I'm not sure whether it's it's at the back. I don't know whether they're just a bit too slow and lethargic at the back, and they might get caught out a bit. Um, but the rest of the pitch, they just, you know, the players they've got just unbelievable.
0: Um, I thought it was a nice touch, actually, uh, that gesture to sort of stop the play and have a, a one minute um, appreciation for Christian Eriksson the Denmark player who had that unfortunate incident uh, in the previous round. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of reports about Christian Eriksson and it seemed like he had a cardiac arrest on the middle of the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys see that I was actually in the Barbers at the time, um, just sort of sitting in the chair waiting for the barber to get ready? And then hell broke loose. Everyone just started screaming and shouting. I was like, oh, what's going on? I looked up and it's like, oh, he's just collapsed in the middle of the... And we, we were thinking the worst, you know. We thought, mm. oh, this is going to be like mm. another... I think it happened to Mark Vivian Fowey at City and uh, yeah. Fabrice Mwamba, Mwamba when he was at Bolton. <clears throat> I thought it was going to be one of those kind of situations. Mm. Um, what's, your- what's your thoughts on um, on Christian Eriksen, Ash?
1: Yeah, so um, it was really, really traumatic. Um, having watched it and just seeing how he kind of like stumbled towards the ball sometimes what happens is you know when these things happen the ball's on the other side of the pitch so it means that sometimes you won't see it for a couple of seconds but because the ball was played into him and he stumbled forward everyone was able to react very very quickly and just um just want to commend the medical staff his teammates in particular just being able to react so quickly to get support onto the pitch to, to to ensure that he was in the right position um so that he didn't swallow his tongue or anything like that um just a massive commitment to those guys and it took me back to a time in my school days. so we actually lost um someone in my school so when i was 17 years old we was playing football it used to be like this little 3 side pitch that we used to play at. used to be called church because inside of a church and there's a, a young man called christopher harris who went to my school was in some of my classes great guy He was playing football, went to lie down, and at the age of 18 had a cardiac arrest and actually lost his life on that day. So it kind of took me back to that experience of having to kind of be there, see someone who was playing football, went to lie down and then never woke up again. Mm -hmm. So whenever I see stuff like this happening, I always kind of think, you know, um, thoughts to him, um, thoughts to his family, but thoughts to everyone else who would have been affected by the cardiac arrest of Christian Eriksson.
0: According to ESPN... Um, Christian Eriksen is going to need to have a heart starter device implanted after he collapsed um, during their opener against Finland Um, so it's it's a very serious uh, thing that's happened and I think rightly so there Ash we need to take our hats off to the medical staff that's helped him to To get back into good spirits. I saw some images of him sort of with a thumbs up in the hospital bed cheering on Denmark for their next game. Yeah, really important. Um, It's so good to see that.
2: Yeah, I I think the other thing you need to consider here, I mean, talking from a grassroots perspective, um, is that I was actually quite surprised because I recently did a cardiac arrest course um, with the FA. And I was actually really surprised about how common this is Mm. Um, and the fact that it's actually quite common in teenagers. Um, And then you've got to think as well. And and I had some of the boys messaging me about this over the last week. And we've had some conversations about it. And I think it really did shake some people up because Mm. let's be honest, you know, many people don't have the most healthiest of lifestyles and they're out on the Saturday night and then they're playing on a Sunday, it, it, this could happen. So I think it should urge you know, all, all football clubs, and, and more specifically grassroots, because there's, there's, there's less facilities, to at least have one or two people on their books that are trained for these kind of scenarios, because you could actually save someone's life.
1: And I think just to add into that point, I think maybe some of the training needs to go to the referees as well, because every game has to have a referee, right? So if that's an added element of their kind of remit, and then you've got people in the team as well, you've got more and more people that can aid a situation like this. And I think that's the most important thing. You can never have too many um, trained professionals <laughs> in a situation like this. So, yeah, yeah I think that's definitely a, a great point to make was. <clears throat>
0: Definitely good points in terms of uh, How we move forward um, Just to kind of uh, wrap up On Christian Eriksen, uh, sports got an article Here where they say he's actually had a Successful operation um, And he's now going to go ahead and begin his Recovery at home, he's been discharged um, So yeah uh, Of course, thoughts and wishes Best wishes going out to Christian Eriksen and his family during this time. And, um, yeah, I I thought it was uh, a good performance from Denmark against Belgium. I hoped that maybe they could get a win. Um, Poulsen definitely did his best uh, to get onto the score sheet and to help the team. But I think Belgium just had a little bit too much quality for them in the end.
1: Sorry, quickly. Those two goals from Belgium were absolutely outstanding. Like, if you want to talk about that top-level play and why certain players make a difference, Kevin De Bruyne did that. Like, the assist for the first goal to dummy the players, and then obviously the little link-up with the two hazards to then strike that ball near post. Like, that's what real quality gives you. Um, and yeah, Belgium did very well to kind of come back and win that game.
0: Um, just looking at the time, uh, are there any uh, key fixtures uh, that you guys would like to, uh, to talk on uh, before we move on? Uh, so some of those results include Netherlands versus Austria. We've got Sweden versus Slovenia, Croatia versus Czech Republic, England versus Scotland. Obviously we've got to talk about that. Hungary
1: versus <laughs> France, Portugal versus Germany and Spain versus Poland. I know, I know words wants to talk a lot about England. So I'm going to jump. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> get into that. We'll get into I'm, that. I'm going to quickly go to Portugal. Yeah. to Germany for. That's um, cool. Yeah. Great 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 game I was driving so missed a lot of it but I've watched the highlights since and what a game like um that's what Euros are about I was a little bit down on the tournament but when I see games like that or see the highlights for games like that definitely a great re- a great way re- to spend your Saturday
0: absolutely I-, I didn't expect it to be so high scoring to be honest with you mate I thought it would be a tight one and um, when, uh, when Ronaldo scored, I thought, OK, this is it. You know, Germany playing without a recognised striker. They didn't look so great in the first game. Um, and I thought Portugal going to go ahead and win it. But to see Germany score goal after goal after goal, I thought it was a great performance from Serge Gnabry. I thought he was absolutely mm. excellent on the left-hand side for Germany. Um, and hats off to, to Joachim Lowe. You know, uh, in the first game, I saw him bring uh, Kevin Volland off the bench. So I thought maybe in the second game, he would start with Kevin Volland to have a recognized striker up top. But he kind of stuck with his guns and kept playing this kind of like false nine. Um, And and it worked. I think they just kind of overwhelmed Portugal, really. Um, Overloaded them in midfield and they couldn't live with the intensity that Germany were playing. Um, Any thoughts on that game, Wes? Yeah, again, I, I,
2: Pepe at the back for for Portugal. I was watching I was watching that game, and I just thought they just looked they they looked tired at the back. They just they looked overrun, and I think maybe his years are probably going to catch up on him in this tournament. Um, Germany just looked, as you said, they bossed that midfield. Um, and, and really overrun the game I, I think from when was it about 30 minutes onwards it's just you, barely any of Portugal really. Um, so I, I still don't I still don't think Germany have got enough to, to, to get too much further in the tournament and there's the potential that they might face England in the next round too so we'll see.
0: We shall see. Kai Havertz looking very good for Germany right now. Um, so, the big one. <laughs> <laughs> the game that everyone had been looking forward to. England. Every Everyone? <laughs> versus. I'm sure everyone would be looking forward to this. I wasn't looking like, forward to that game. When I saw the fixtures and I saw, you know, England were playing Scotland, I said, yo, yeah, well, I can't wait for this. This is going to be awesome. Why, why were you not excited, Ash?
1: Because I I kind of knew what the game was going to be like. This England team, for all of the quality players that it's got, the setup doesn't feel right. Um, I knew that. All right. So in terms of the event in the occasion, England Scotland's a big game, right? If I'm talk- looking at it as a football match based off of what I saw in the first the first round of games, I wasn't looking forward to it. And actually, it played out exactly as I thought. Like Scotland did what they could do and got like a noble draw. England just weren't good enough and. The, the, the setup and the selection of the team wasn't great. I don't find the English national team that exciting. Like I really, I watch them all the time. I'm just a little bit uninspired. Considering the amount of quality in the team like versus the performances I see from them, the two never really are like, they never really correlate. So as a result, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting to be underwhelmed, if that makes sense.
0: Makes perfect sense to me. Do you share <laughs> that same sentiment, Wes? Yeah, do you know what I, I do? I'm just a
2: deluded England fan, like most <laughs> of the population, right? You know, every single, every single game you kind of hope that they're going to do better. But I've, Ash kind of hit the nail on the head with regards to the the selection. Um, I would say the back four I, I actually kind of agreed with at the beginning of the game. Um, but. Within 20 minutes, it, it become very apparent that Shaw and James, actually surprisingly, were not overlapping, weren't, weren't confident in getting the other side of our, our, our wingers. And so it just made life too easy for, for Scotland. So in my opinion, he should have changed it earlier. I think Chilwell should have come on because he, he naturally just overlaps. Um... And actually, I think the the winners in hindsight, maybe. I personally felt before the game that Grealish should have started because it was going to always be that kind of game where Scotland were going to sit behind the ball, and if you get Grealish around their penalty area, he's going to get fouled. He's going to he's going to win free kicks, and in games like that, it could be decided on a set piece. Um, so I think we missed we missed an opportunity there. I also think that it could potentially be the right type of game for a player like Sancho to get behind the lines. Um, and and I think, as Ash said, Southgate's got a bit of a tendency that once he's got a, a start and eleven in his head, he just sticks with it and he he's not keen to change early enough, and that could be our downfall further on in the competition because teams such as France and. Germany and even Portugal, they're, they're just more organised. They're more prepared for international football, and they're willing to change their lineup to suit their opposition, um, which we seem to be a, a bit adverse to. So, yeah, I'm still positive. I still think with the squad that they've got, they should be doing well. Um, playing m- many of the fixtures at home as well should be um, a positive, but. It, we tactically might be a bit inept.
1: Oof. Just just to jump in on one point quickly. So I felt that in the first game, playing Calvin Phillips against the Croatian midfield, which is probably like their strongest part of their pitch and um, strongest part of their team, made perfect sense. When you then play Scotland and there's a bit more onus on you to make the game, I think you then shift. You don't need Rice and Phillips. Yeah. You need one of them. You can drop Mount into an eight and you can also play a second eight like Foden. So almost have like um, like a single a single base, like a single pivot. And then again, like you said with the wingers as well, I think the wingers didn't do too bad, but you made a, ma- a massive point. James and Shaw just didn't commit. They didn't want to go all the way. And I think very quickly it was almost like we'd rather not concede than actually go out and score really score a goal. And for me, England are much better than Scotland. So I want to see England assert themselves on teams rather than allow teams to to assert their game plan on them.
0: That's, that's a good point. I mean, as someone who is the favourite, you should expect them to take the game by the scruff of the neck, dominate, and we just don't really do that. I think um, Wes... Uh, mentioned that maybe he had a a problem with the in-game management or alluded to, uh, maybe thinking the in-game management wasn't quite snappy enough Um, but how about team selection? You did talk about the likes of Grealish and the likes of Chilwell. Would you have maybe started both of those and started Sancho as well maybe?
2: Uh, Do you know what, I
0: probably would I
2: would have started Chilwell like I said, I think the back four on paper was probably the right the right I think he went for big guys as well because he knew that Scotland would try and win set pieces and get the ball up in the air. So I could understand why he went for that selection. But it became a little bit more obvious within the game that Shaw wasn't comfortable going forward. So so that would have been my first substitution, personally. Um, I would have brought Chilwell on there. I think... Potentially, as Ash said, I would have dropped one of Rice and and Phillips and put Foden in the middle, or even Grealish in the middle, and put Sancho out on the wing to, to get to get someone behind their defence um, and pin Robertson back because Robertson is always Scotland's outball, and yeah. you want to stop him getting forward and delivering because his delivery is is unbelievable um and that's what they were looking for every time and they were trying to get that ball behind our back line um and it was obvious to be honest with you it was, it was obvious that's what they were going to do but we didn't counter that we didn't put someone there that was gonna get behind him and push him back um so that that they were probably the only two stroke free changes i would have made but you know in hindsight you, you, you've got to look at kane as well and say does he play
0: against the checks because potentially I'd be dropping him. Wow. Controversial opinion there. Um, but food for thought. Um, so, uh, excellent game, a uh, excellent round of second matches in the Euros. Uh, the third round of matches are coming up. We've got, at the time of recording this, we've got still Switzerland versus Turkey to come. Italy versus Wales to come. Uh, Any predictions for the Italy versus Wales match, guys? Uh, Let's go with you first, Ash. I
1: think... I think it might be a draw because it's a result that serves both. So Italy with the group, Wales go through second. I think a draw. Wes?
2: I I hate to say this. I, I, I probably sit on the fence and say the same, but then... You can't really see Italy conceding unless they make a hell of a lot of changes, which is possible because they know they're they're basically through. So they might be preparing for the next round.
0: Mm. Let's see. Uh, Hopefully Wales get the win. I would like to see our neighbours doing well. Um, I'd actually like to see Scotland and Wales both doing well, uh, even if they don't want to see us doing well. (laughs) Um, loads of other fixtures. Uh, Anything exciting that you guys want to talk about, except for the Czech Republic and England game?
1: Just France, right? Yeah, I was going to say the group of death will be really interesting to see how that plays out because Portugal versus France means that maybe a draw is good enough for both to go through. But then if Germany win. If Germany win their game, they're on six points, France will be on five, Portugal will be on four, and then whoever's second plays the winner of the England group. So, yeah, that's that's really, really interesting for me. So, in, in terms of that,
0: in terms of that potential fixture, uh, would you want England to finish second in the group?
1: <laughs> well, it's over to you.
0: Oh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, you know you've got you've got to be whoever's putting in front of you, right? So I, I, I'm not bothered either way because at the end of the day, if you face France, because you know, say for instance we finish second and and you end up facing France, then you've got to beat them to 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 win the tournament anyway. So. I don't think it really matters. I think, you know, I, it would be interesting if it was uh, England-Germany game, personally. I think that would be an interesting one, and actually more likely that we'd be able to beat them. Um, but having said that, it's all well in the France camp. I'm just, you're never sure with them, because they always seem to be their own worst enemy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone thought... It was going to be a bit controversial bringing Karim Benzema back into the France squad. I heard one or two rumours, but I haven't seen any press conferences or anything confirmed. And it seems like, you know, on the pitch, there doesn't seem to be a rift with any of the players. Everyone's passing the ball to each other. You know, they're playing some good football in bits. Um, I do think that France should be beating Portugal after the way that Germany completely took them apart. Um, Because I think France is a better team than Germany, to be honest. But having said that, you can imagine that Portugal will be kind of licking their wounds and thinking we're going to have to show the world that we're a lot better than what we showcased against Germany. So they're not going to really be any pushovers. And obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo and all of the attacking players have got potential to score goals. Uh, And uh, I'm not so sure about Varane right now. You know, I, I think I think if you run at him, you can you can get at him it's possible they could score.
1: I don't like Pembe. Ooh. I don't, I, I don't rate him. I, I, I just don't rate him. And my, my issue is, like, he's, again, like I said about the, the whole Laporte situation, Laporte, to me, is good enough to play alongside Varane. And I think France are even better if they have that. But with Kimpembe, there's a genuine chance that you can get at him. Who do you think then? So, I would have put, obviously, if they had Laporte cool. I think Zoom is better than him. I'd rather start Kurt Zuma than than, than Kim Pembe, if I'm honest. But I think Deschamps likes him a lot, so he's gonna keep playing. I like him. He's my favourite uh
0: defender at the moment, to be honest. Yeah. Um I, I just think he's he's got he's got the minerals, if you know what I mean. Like he's got that nasty streak, that mean streak. And um, and I think he's good. He's fast, he's strong. I think he's got everything you need. Big mm. tall guy. Um I think he's got everything necessary to become a top class defender. And he's still only young, he's still only about twenty one. So he's still learning, and he's still improving. But um yeah, uh I like where's your sentiment there? Maybe not to play for a draw and to try and finish second, just just win whoever's just beat whoever's in front of you. And you know, so let's go England. Hopefully we get a win against public Republic. Um Copa America This is that festival where, you know, you see people doing the salsa in the crowd and stuff like that. You've got all of these colours and carnival atmosphere going on. Um, And you've got some of the world's most exciting attackers. Um, One interesting thing for me in the Copa America is Lionel Messi. And the fact that he's never won an international tournament. And when you look at his age... He hasn't got that much time left. This could potentially be his last chance to win the Copa America. Um, so I'm I'm going to pay a lot more attention to this um, tournament and specifically trying to watch Argentina and seeing how Messi's playing. Um, he's definitely been helping them so far. Um, they got a uh, a 1-0 win against Uruguay in their second match. Um, Uruguay obviously having the likes of Edinson Cavani of Manchester United and Luis Suarez of Atletico Madrid up front. So that was a tough test for them. And um, the way that the tournament's set up, it looks like it could be an Argentina versus Brazil final if they both uh, qualify from their groups and obviously make it to the final. But the pathway set out for an absolutely brilliant final. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to watch any of the Copa America matches, but uh, it's definitely looking exciting.
1: I haven't, but um, I know a lot of people think that Messi has to win an international tournament to cement himself as the greatest footballer ever. Um, I don't, personally. Um, But I hope he does win it because a lot of people pitch that against that and the fact that he hasn't moved to a a different league. I just think it's unfair because whenever anyone's been in direct competition with him in that league, he's trumped them. In the Champions League, where you play various, various other teams, he's still the best player in that competition as well so yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see how it plays out I do think Brazil should win it though yeah. um I do like looking at the way that the squads are stacked up like Brazil have the best squads and in Neymar a personal favourite of mine that's where the prima donna comes from Wes <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah in a personal favourite of mine I think he's going to continue to be like the shining star of the tournament so yeah
0: ooh um so, um, we've talked to Messi, we can also talk Neymar as well, as uh, Neymar is approaching a bit of a milestone, um, which is Pelé's goal scoring record for Brazil. Um, so we've got an article here from the Associated Press, um, where they talk about Pelé being the number one goal scorer for Brazil, 77 goals, and Neymar having 68 goals. So you know, it's possible. You know, if he has an incredible tournament, he could get a lot closer to Pele or maybe even catch him. Um, so yeah, uh, a record-breaking uh, time for Neymar. Uh, I think Ronaldo's also had a record-breaking time in Portugal, becoming the uh, the first player to ever play in five European Championships. Which is actually quite something. You know, that, that kind of shows you the level of consistency he's had. He's been playing for the national
1: team for a very long time. He scored in all of them as well, which is amazing. <laughs> what a guy. Um, I think there
0: was a story about Maradona as well that we need to talk about. Um, so, Diego Maradona has been honored in some kind of holographic display um, during a, a Copa America video game.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> only Maradona would do that. <laughs> only so, Maradona.
0: Yeah, I mean they've, they've got a little they've got a little uh, video here at, at the Guardian, um, and so he was honoured uh, before the opening game. I mean, we know the Argentinians absolutely love Diego Maradona. I think we've spoken before about the, a documentary that showed how there's actually a religion like a church of Maradona. Where they worship Maradona over there, you know they love him. Um, you know, obviously one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Let me
2: guess. Let me guess what happens at communion.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay PC, guys. Let's stay PC. Yeah, <laughs> there's, 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 there's there
0: there. Um, but yeah, shout out to Maradona and uh, Argentina, um, and also. Something interesting going on over there in South America is this story, um, one that, uh, that Wes thought was quite interesting. This story about uh, the English-born striker who's become a hero over in Chile. Um, so we've got a Stoke-born striker, Ben Brereton, who actually scored the winning goal against Bolivia uh, in his first ever international start. In, and it just came just now in the Copa America. He's only twenty-two years old, so he's still young, still making a name for himself, playing at Stoke. Uh, ended up playing for the Chile national team and scoring in the Copa. It's actually a pretty cool, Roy the Rovers kind of story, isn't it? Yeah, i have never heard of him
2: before personally. It was only you know heard it heard it on the radio the other day, and uh, looked it up and thought well, that's quite interesting. But I, I'd never even heard of him.
0: Um, me neither, um, funnily enough I was, I was saying earlier wasn't I, I was playing FIFA Yesterday, uh, I've got this uh, QPR career mode that I've started doing And mm-hmm. I played against uh, Burriton who's playing for Blackburn um, and, and in the game They modelled him as like a sort of a Tricky, skillful kind of attacker He was causing me all kinds of problems on the left wing um, But I'm going to start paying a lot more attention To him in real life and watching him um, In the corporate America for Chile But um, uh, it says here in this article from Reuters that uh, he did actually appear for England at under-19 and under-20 level before mm-hmm. he switched his international allegiances to play for the Chile national team. So it's, uh, so it's an interesting... Switch. I don't think I've ever heard of uh, an Englishman being called up for um, a team outside of Britain before, really. You know, there's players who play for the under-21s and then they go and play for... Um, Actually, to be fair, it happens all the time, doesn't it? There's players who, who like, they're, like, Nigerian or something, and they might play for the under-17s, and then they go and play for Nigeria um, and stuff like that. that. That kind of thing actually does happen a lot, to be honest.
2: But, I just wonder um, like how much chilli he's, he's got in him.
0: <laughs> he probably likes his, uh, his chicken extra hot in Nando's. <laughs> extra chilli. Shout out to Brereton. Um, so that kind of uh, wraps up our results. Uh, we've got loads of fixtures to talk about, um, but you know we could just uh, give a quick mention to uh, Argentina versus Paraguay. That's probably going to be a good game. Um, Uruguay versus Chile as well. Um, and then there's just loads of actual news topics to talk about. Although we we have gone. Kind of into extra time now We've had a great discussion How are you guys doing for time You okay to chop up A few more news topics Yeah we're <laughs> good
1: Yeah we had a couple That we threw in as well So we're in like Pretty good 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 nick
0: Okay um, So we've got uh, Gigi Buffon I'm just going to Salute this guy all right? I don't want to say Too much about him But This guy Gianluigi Buffon Is someone who Me When I first got into football As a kid He was playing And now I'm a grown ass man And he's still playing and so for me, it's like on my football journey, this guy's always been there. He's like 43 years old and he's just signed a two-year deal with the, the first team that he started playing football with. He's gone back to Parma, where, where it all started. Uh, so it's quite a romantic football story there. Yeah. Um, he actually made 14 appearances for Juventus last season. So at 42, 43 years old, still playing at the highest level. Um, so shout out to Buffon. You know, he's still going 43 years old signed a 2-year deal to take him to 45 and he's going to be playing in the second tier of Italian football next season. Um so on to... let's look at uh the Sergio Ramos situation. Arguably the best defender in the world. I think you, I think that's a
1: fair shot you could argue that was mm. was. I think I think there was a period of time Well, you could definitely say he was the best centre-back in the world. I think that would have been probably, I'd say, 2013, 14, maybe through to about 2017. There could have been an argument for him, definitely. Yeah,
0: I agree. I mean, I I would say in recent years, he's still been elite. Like, he's still put in some absolutely fantastic performances. And uh, his leadership goes without question, like... You know, when you watch Real Madrid play and when Sergio Ramos is there, you can see him marshalling in the back line. And mm. When he's not there, it's just not quite the same.
1: Uh, let me ask you one question. Mm-hmm. Would you take him or, like, you've got one pick for centre-back in the last, say, say, let's say the last six years, would you take Ramos or would you take Virgil van Dyck? Oh, God. I mean, see, this is why I say arguably. Um, (laughs) And this is why I asked the question. When you say it like that, I mean,
0: yeah, Virgil van Dijk is a no-brainer. I'm glad you said that.
1: (laughs) I didn't need to ask Wes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I mean, for me, I just, I think I really like the way that uh, Ramos plays the game. Uh, Like, he's, uh, maybe he's a little bit of a dirty trickster, but he's got quality as well. Like, he's like a ball-playing centre-back, but he's tough and... He's rugged, you know?
1: Ramos, Um, I I hated him for a while. Like, I hated the person he was, not the footballer. But now, (laughs) I've got a bit older. (laughs) I like him a bit more now. But I think because he's coming to the end of his career, that stuff is just what he needed to to do to be elite. So I think when you talk about his overall leadership and impact, there's very few centre-backs that have done what he's done. And if you look across the decade, he's probably the greatest centre-back in model, in the last ten years, I will I will 100% agree with you on that, Carl. I'll take that. I'll take that. That's
0: all right. Um, but yeah, there's a very uh, uh, thorough article from Talksport um, talking about uh, Sergio Ramos's career and his farewell. There's like a little video and stuff, uh, so people can go and check that out if they want to see that. Um, the, his departure will leave a huge hole in the centre of Real Madrid's defence, in my opinion, but they've gone and signed somebody on a free transfer who could potentially replace him. And that is Alaba from... Uh, they signed him from Bayern Munich. Uh, he's been playing for Austria in the Euros. Um, I think he scored in the first game, didn't he? Um, might be might be wrong about that, but he's, he's been playing well for Austria. Um... Thoughts on Alaba as a replacement. I know he's someone who can play in midfield, or you can play left back, you can play centre back. Um, do you guys think that he's going to be a good fit for Real Madrid and someone who can just walk in and just replace Ramos, almost like a like-for-like like replacement?
2: No, <laughs> I, I, I don't think centre centre half is his best position personally. Um, but on top of that, when you're losing. Ramos and probably Varane. That's going to be a very unsettled defence next next season until until whoever is going to be partnering him if he is playing centre half um, beds in together. I, I just I can see Real Madrid going through a bit of a um, you know a period of
0: change. For sure, they've changed the manager. So and uh, apparently Ancelotti couldn't convince Ramos to stay. So, he's going to have a big rebuild task on his hands. Um, Back to the Euros. Rudiger. So, this guy had a a game where he was a little bit hungry and he decided to take a cheeky little bite out of Paul Pogba, (laughs) didn't he? He thought, 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 oh, this guy thinks he's a bit tasty. I might just take a little bite out of him. Uh, Did you get a chance to to see that? and, And what are your thoughts on that, Ash?
1: Yeah, Rudiger does this weird thing where like the bigger the game, the more wound up he becomes. He was like just cr- like, so crazy and erratic in the Champions League final that he um, fractured um, De Bruyne's nose and um, his cheekbone. He just gets himself so worked up. Maybe that's just kind of how he's able to perform. He's a very good player. And obviously, when we spoke about the team of the season, his second half of the season form kind of put him in contention to be that one of the centre-backs that we spoke about. But yeah, it's just he just does these really weird and erratic things that are just unnecessary. Um, but yeah, he's still he's still a very good player. Um, but yeah, it's just I just think a lot of the stuff is unnecessary. And what was interesting is, I know we're going to get into that story in a second, but he didn't get a ban, but Marko Anatovic did get a ban for his over-exuberant celebrations and some of the words that he kind of like um, made towards a fellow a fellow professional. I mean, buying someone's and a bit crazy. Tell me
2: what, what would have happened mm. if the same thing happened and it was maybe someone like Suarez who did it. Mm. Uh, I think because, I just feel like because he's, Playing for Germany, and you know he's not known for be, being dirty, as it were. He might be rash, but he's not known for, for you know doing any housery of, of late. Mm. Um, he he's got away with it, and I think if it was many other players, they wouldn't have done.
0: Oh, interesting point there. I think uh, I did see that Arnautovic apologised, and he did say. Uh, you know, he's a man who has friends of all nationalities And he's not a racist He didn't make any racist comments um, But uh, as we know, in the heat of the moment Players can do all kinds of crazy things Have you ever heard any, uh, let's say, unsavoury comments yourself, Wes? From players on the, uh, on the football <laughs> pitch? Um, there's definitely been some, some shocking
2: language And some um, kind of... Yeah, some, some back chat, but when it actually when it comes to racism, I think it's it's interesting because on a Sunday, and I don't know whether that's just the area that we play in or or it's the teams that we play against, but like, we I, we have not come across any examples of it at all, and I and I, I purely think that must be the people that are playing in the league, and we we must just have thoroughly you know, decent people and normal people playing in our league. But also, I think if anything like that did happen, and Ash, you've seen our guys, like, yeah. I, I don't think it would be it would be tolerated. I think any kind, there's, you know, you get the banter kind of abuse, but if it, if it crosses the line, I honestly don't think people would tolerate it. And I know the referees that we have in our league would, would clamp down on it immediately as well. And I'm, I'm actually on the league committee, and... If we were to hear of anything like that, the team would probably be out straight away. Um, and, and we certainly keep an eye on when we're taking teams on every season, because obviously we have a turnaround of teams that fold and new teams that want to kind of enter the league. We do our due diligence. You know, I'm looking on social media. And if I've got any inclination that that club might be, might have any kind of undertones, then then they're not coming into this league
0: well said um, So going from someone who should probably Wash his mouth out with soap We've got Cristiano Ronaldo Who says if you're going to put something in your mouth You should probably wash it with water <laughs> Agua to be B- precise B- Agua, B- Agua. B- Agua He, he definitely
2: does, He definitely doesn't want to come on a Trolls night out there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well I'm sure probably off camera he does uh, let his hair down a bit um, uh, maybe he will drink uh, a bit of JD with some coke uh, <laughs> off camera but on camera uh, he was very vocal about not wanting Coca-Cola to be in the shot uh, and uh, he's kind of pushed the sponsored bottles of Coca-Cola out of the shot and picked up a bottle of water and made a thing about it and, and since he did that it kind of went Viral, as you can imagine, uh, someone like Cristiano Ronaldo being quite outspoken. Uh, I mean, I think he's right ethically. You know, water is obviously very healthy for you. And these fizzy drinks are filled with sugar. They're very unhealthy for you. Um, So maybe somebody, maybe a sporting organisation shouldn't have um, a brand like that sponsoring them in the first place. Uh, I think it opens up a good conversation. And uh, this article from Eurosport we've got here actually says that um, the share price of Coca-Cola dropped massively uh, after Ronaldo's stunt. Huge impact. What's your thoughts on on this uh, gesture by Ronaldo and the impact it's had, Ash?
1: Yeah, it's... Like, listen, these these sponsors pay a lot of money to make sure that these these tournaments take place. So when something like that happens, it's going to have a a huge effect. I think Ronaldo can obviously come come across explain his point of view and water is better better for you than coca-cola that's that's an absolute fact um but the sponsors won't be too happy and we all know that UEFA are all about money um we saw that with the super league we saw that with um lots of things that kind of have happened as well like they care more about money than they probably do about anything else so yeah Ronaldo's right to kind of like say that but then also Pogba did it as well I think Pogba moved the Heineken um the the thing and as a devout Muslim he didn't kind of want like the the idea of um beer to be there but actually it's zero percent so it's kind of like non-alcoholic beer um so like that like i think it's going to become like a little thing and people will just start to look out for it i don't think it's a big a big deal like coke's i think coke's stock prices um kind of consolidated again and they haven't they lost some money on that day but they haven't lost much beyond that it's just one of those things it's just it's just consumerism and and um, capitalism at, however at, at its best Go however
2: on. two points on that Ronaldo did a Coca-Cola advert back in the day. So yes. he was all right with it then. And Pogba was all right take, having pictures taken of his Man of the Match um, award, which was sponsored by Heineken. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, we
0: Well, when it comes to money, sometimes people make uh, decisions that go against their principles, exactly. I suppose. Um, interesting you talking about how this kind of started a trend because uh, I think um, one of the Scottish lads was uh, was caught doing something similar as well wasn't he John McGinn uh, sort of removing the, the, the drinks bottle and yeah I mean if, it's, if it starts a trend if it raises awareness I think that's a great thing um, because there's obviously a lot of young children watching these tournaments watching these idolising and watching these sports stars and so if a sports star comes out and says be healthy drink water I think that's going to have a a huge effect on a young impressionable mind and it's only a good thing although it's probably bad for business (laughs) Um, but yeah I think we've covered a whole lot of stories there's not a lot left to go Um, maybe we go domestically Um, there was one story uh, by the Telegraph um, about fans being arrested um, after the England versus Scotland game Um, I've seen some stuff going on on social media you know Fans misbehaving themselves. What are you going to do? This kind of stuff happens. Um, The ticket prices, I think, were absolutely astronomical. I had a look at a few tickets for Euros um, on a bit of a last-minute basis, and I saw some tickets going for, like, between 100 and 200 quid, like 185 quid. Um, I think it was one for Croatia versus Czech Republic uh, that I could have gotten. Um, But there's a, a report here in the Daily Record saying that Tickets for the Scotland versus England game were being sold for seven and a half grand on eBay, which is absolutely astronomical. Um, So they've had to kind of uh, clamp down on ticket touts and resale market and stuff like that. Absolutely crazy. We've got the Premier League fixtures that have just been announced uh, for the next season. Um, and we've got a new transfer. We've got a transfer of Rose to Watford. Any thoughts on Rose going to Watford, guys?
1: Good to Yeah, he's only 30 years old. I think if he's... I know Danny Rose has some issues with his um, kind of feeling and um, towards football. I think if, he, if he's invested in the sport and wants to do well, he will do well. I think it's a good experience. He's an international and yeah, I like him a lot. And yeah, like the, the Premier League football um, fixtures are back. Um, they've started to release the fantasy manager player values as well, which is just, it's literally come through in like the last hour. So, I know when it comes to um, that, will be will be getting involved again. So, yeah, the football doesn't really stop as well. So, which is which is nice, but sometimes you need a bit of a break from it.
0: And um,
2: Ashley Young's just gone there as well, hasn't he? Oh no, he's got Villa.
1: Yeah, he's, gone to Villa. Villa, he's yeah. gone to Villa. He's gone to Villa. It's a strange one. And Buendia and went to Villa as well, choosing yeah. Villa over Arsenal. So, yeah, I think the market will start to really pick up soon, as it normally does. So, after an international tournament, there's always going to be a few players who people are going to be surprised by. So, I think, you know, ship for um, Czech yeah. Republic, who scored yeah. that wonder goal against Scotland. Um, yeah, I think someone like him is going to be very much in the transfer market in, in, in the eye line of some teams... Everyone wants a goal scorer. Um, And there's been some other good players. So, yeah, definitely the transfers are going to start picking up very, very soon. For sure. Uh, Myself, uh, I'm sure I can speak for Ash uh, when I say
0: probably looking forward to our opening game of uh, Brentford versus Arsenal on Friday the 13th of August. It would have to be Friday the 13th when (laughs) Arsenal play, wouldn't it? Um, But hopefully it doesn't turn out to be an unlucky fixture and we get the win against the new boys. And yeah, maybe someone like Brentford will be going in for a Patrick Schick or one of these players they've spotted in the Euros. Um, there's definitely a lot of talent on display and uh, a lot of them aren't playing at big clubs too. So potential potential signings there. Um, uh, on that opening weekend, there's a few big fixtures as well. Um, Spurs versus Man City on the Sunday. Um, a London derby. Chelsea versus Palace on the Saturday. Uh, Man U playing Leeds. That's like a bit of a... Yorkshire, Manchester type of derby. There's, there's there's a bit of bad blood
1: between those teams, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. Um, red
2: rose
1: derby. Yeah, Lancashire versus um, Yorkshire. Did you say it's a red rose derby? Yeah, I
2: think that's what they
1: call it, isn't it? Is I it red and white? That. Isn't heard it? Heard is it? Is it Yorkshire with the white roses and Lancashire with the red roses? Oh, well, mate, it's the rose derby. Yeah, something it's
0: the rose right. derby. The rose derby. <laughs> okay, cool. A little bit of uh, English culture coming out there with that <laughs> uh, derby. Um, right so we better wrap this up there's been so much going on in football as there always is uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Wes I hope we get a chance for you to come back on hopefully when Ash has a bad game so you can come on and tell us how terrible <laughs> <this week. laughs>
1: you'll have to come and watch some Trotters games I was going to say there's going to be a long wait for that um um, but just before we end can i just um give a massive shout out to ben and cow um this is episode 50 of the play on podcast so half century um these two were the four founders of this um they decided to devise a football podcast off the back of their general podcast and 50 episodes in is a, just an amazing achievement. So I just want to kind of like doff my hat to you guys. Um, well done for all the work that you've done to put in to get to 50. And yeah, here's to 50 more and lots more after that as well.
0: Thank, thank you so much, guys. Uh, Ash, you're obviously a big part of the Play On family. And I don't know if we would have got to 50 episodes without you, mate. You've been absolutely invaluable, uh, bringing lovely guests, knowledgeable, experienced football guests like Wesley. Um, and, yeah, together, I'm sure we're going to have another amazing 50 episodes. Let's go. Let's go. That got me excited. I'm pumped up. <laughs> um, so, yep, yeah, thank you all for tuning in, guys. Remember, you can catch us on the socials at podcast play on um, and make sure you tune in in a couple of weeks for another episode. Everybody, be good, be well, take care of yourselves. Peace. Peace.